there are many, many ways in which we come to a place of feeling that years have been lost, that years are passing, that life is moving on, that opportunities have been missed, and we can't get them back. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, I guess many of us feel that, yes, there have been wasted years. And they happen in all kinds of different ways. So we're meditating on the scripture here where God says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's a wonderful promise. But just to think about that last part first, how does the locust eat years? I just spent some time thinking about real people in the congregation where we serve and worship here and real stories of folks who feel that years of their lives have been lost, a marriage that had really gone cold, and for years it was unfulfilling, it was unhappy, it was difficult. Another situation where years have passed and a person has not been a Christian or they've been away in rebellion and say, if only I could have come to Christ, if only I hadn't made that change in my career, if only I hadn't gone to that other part of the country. And living with the if only is terrible. But I want us in the message today to recognize that the Word of God touches the real pain of human life the realities of wasted years. So we're going to tune our minds into that so that we can see how the Word of God touches where we really are and brings us hope. Well, let's turn to the book of Joel today, and we're in chapter 2 and verse 18, as we begin the message, Making Up for Lost Years. Here's Colin. Today, we're going to gaze into the mystery of an amazing promise. And I describe it as a mystery because restoring years is obviously impossible, cannot be done. You lose money, there are different ways in which money can be restored. Property can be uh, restored, you can restore an old car, you can restore a painting, you can restore an old house. Relationships can be restored, forgiveness, reconciliation, wonderful. But one thing that cannot ever be restored is time. Time flies, and it does not return. Years pass, and whatever stage of life you're at, you never get these years back. And so here we find, that's why I say we're we're staring into a mystery, because God is promising the impossible. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Now, the immediate meaning of this wonderful promise is very clear. We saw last time that God's people had suffered the complete destruction of their entire harvest. It had come through this invasion of locusts, uh, great armies, swarms of locusts that had kind of marched their way through the crops row by row, field by field, and had destroyed the entire harvest of the country, not in one year, but we saw most likely in four consecutive years. And as these armies of insects are moving forward, they're simply multiplying themselves week after week as they move. And with four years of devastated harvests, the people of the promised land, God's people, were brought to their knees in more ways than one. And we read in chapter 2 and verse 18 that the Lord became jealous for his land, and he had pity, compassion, mercy on his people, 
And God said, Behold, I am sending you grain, what they hadn't had for four years, and wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. And from verse 19 onwards, you see that the good that God is going to do to His people continues line after line in this wonderful promise. Verse 20, the enemy who's come from the north an enemy that has taken advantage of the weakness of God's people and has encroached across the borders, that enemy is going to be pushed back, going to be removed. Verse 22, the animals that were groaning, we saw that last week, without adequate sustenance, uh, they no longer have the grief that they have experienced because the pastures of the wilderness have now been, that were a wilderness have now become green. And in verse 23, you see the children of Zion. They also can be glad. There's joy for these children because the rain has returned, and now it is nourishing what for years has been very, very parched and dry ground. And all of this line after line of God's wonderful promise leads up to its climax in verse 25 that's our focus today, where God says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. And what this meant for these people, of course, was that God would give back harvests that had been destroyed. The coming years, God says He was going to give an abundance that would really make up everything that had been lost. Verse 24, the threshing floor is going to be full of grain. The vats are going to overflow with wine and with oil. And verse 26, you shall eat not just adequately, but you shall eat in plenty. God says, and you shall be satisfied. So, this is a wonderful promise, and as it's specifically applied to these people, it means years of abundant harvests that will follow these four years of utter desolation because of the locusts. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. But God has put this promise in the Bible for us. Everything that has been preserved in the Bible is not simply for people to whom it was first spoken long ago, but if it's in the Bible, God has put it in the Bible for us. So, the question that we have to ask as we come to this great promise is, what do locust years look like for us? And how can God restore years that the locusts have eaten for us? Let me suggest to you that locust years, wasted years, lost years, years that you can't get back, and that causes you grief, they come in many varieties. Let me suggest some uh, to you so that we tune our mind in to how wonderful this promise really is. The years that the locusts have eaten are certainly fruitless years. That would be a good place to begin. Think of these folks. A lot of hard work went into cultivating the fields in the years that the locusts had eaten. The farmers had planted seed. They had cultivated crops. They uh, had raised up 
what looked like it would be a great harvest, green shoots coming out of the ground. They labor, they work day after day and week after week. And then as we're coming towards the harvest, what happens? The locusts arrive and they clean out the lot. And that leaves the farmer then saying, now all this work I've done, I've been working at this all season. Day after day, back-breaking work I've put in, and what did I get out of it? Absolutely nothing. The locusts have taken the lot. And some of you know what that is like in business. A failed venture, a bad investment, a misguided policy, and all of the effort that you've been putting in day by day and week by week and month by month and perhaps year by year, and you thought that it was going to lead to something very, very marvelous, and what it's led to has been massive disappointment. And you say, now the years that the locusts have eaten, what has come of all my effort? And after all that work, how did I end up with only this? Been there? Secondly, locust years can be painful years sorrowful years, years of suffering. I'm thinking of folks who have lost a loved one, and you had plans for the future. You had it mapped out in your mind as to what these next years were going to be like. You hoped that these years would be full, but now your whole life has changed, and you find yourself fearing that they may be very empty. I'm thinking of folks as I've prayed around the congregation just in the process of preparing, and a whole range of different life situations come so quickly to mind. People who experience great illness, a severe condition that comes to the body or perhaps to the mind, and you had always thought in terms of what you would like to do and what you would be able to do and so forth, but then with this condition, it has made your years different from what when you were young you had hoped or expected. It can happen early in life. You move into high school, you move into college, and perhaps the thing you're excited about is you're going to be on a team in some sport, and then you have an injury, and it keeps you out for the entire season, and you find yourself saying, well, I will never have my junior year, or whatever it is, ever again. It's gone. I just, I lost it. it the year that the locust has eaten, it's gone. And you have to find a way of living with that. And it's a massive disappointment, because you had so much that was stored up in your own mind, and hoped for in, in that regard. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and we've got to pause the message briefly here. The message is called Making Up for Lost Years. It's part of our series called Restored. And if you ever miss any of the series, or if you want to go back and listen again, don't forget you can always do that by going online. Come to our website, openthebible.org.uk, and there you can hear any of the previously broadcast messages. Back to the message now. Here's Colin. Locust years can be selfish years. These are very different varieties, but the locusts come in different forms. Here's a story that's been repeated thousands of times. Let me picture a person. Uh, this is a composite picture. I'm just going to take the name Jim. 
and uh, Jim has made a commitment to Christ, but it's never really run that deep. He has a faith in Jesus, but his faith of Jesus is a kind of slice of the big pie of his life. It's a busy life, and it's full of all the stuff that Jim wants to pursue. Then one day, God gets hold of Jim, and Jim is spiritually awakened. And he looks at his life over these past years, and he says, this whole thing has been about me. And now that he's awakened, he begins to see other people in the church and what they're doing and how they're serving and how they're sacrificing for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, what in the world have I been doing? I've been calling myself a Christian, but there's been no depth, there's been no reality, there's been no great substance to this in my life. How could I have been so shallow for so long? What has come of all these years then that the locusts have eaten? He comes to a new place in his life. He says, I really want to count for Jesus Christ. I want to live as a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be someone who's now going to make a difference in the world. But the locusts have eaten half the years of my life. Locust years can be fourthly loveless years. A division comes to a family there's an alienation from a loved one. Years are lost. Children grow up. And what might have been cannot now be. And some of you know what it is to endure a marriage in which love has been burning low for many, many years. You see a couple who are really in love and you say, oh, how I would love to have or you have not met the person that in your heart you had hoped you would meet. And your own sense is that years are going by and life is moving on. And that weighs in on you. Locust years can be rebellious years. Perhaps you have been like the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. You grew up with many blessings. But in your heart, you found as you grew, there was an instinct to rebel. You didn't really fully understand this instinct to rebel, but you gave yourself to it. And what you found as you threw yourself in increasingly to a life that was the opposite of what you knew was right, you thought that it would bring you pleasure, but increasingly as you got further down that road, you found that it was bringing you pain. And now you look back on years that you have spent, and you, you look back on them with regret, and they are in your mind years that the locust has eaten. For others among us, followed a godly path, but life just hasn't worked out as we hoped, and we regret some of our decisions. They weren't sinful decisions. They were just choices about what to pursue and so forth. And locust years can be simply misdirected years, you know, the path you chose, the career you ended up with after you chose a particular path, perhaps it was in, in college or, or whatever, and what you found was that it took you into what increasingly you felt was a dead end. You made a move, you then found yourself in a place where you just didn't fit, 
you look at your life and you say, now, how did I end up here? And if only I had made a different choice, I could have been on a different path, but it, I'm too far down the line now, and uh, options seem to be so much less. And you find yourself more and more saying, oh, if only, if only, if only. If only I'd taken that opportunity. If only I'd not made that move or had made that move. But the moment has passed. It's gone. And you can't go back to it. And you're left with a profound sense of having many locust years. Christless years are locust years. All Christless years are locust years. This is worth thinking about for anyone who has not yet made a wholehearted commitment to Jesus Christ. If you ask anyone, and I guarantee you this, ask anyone who became a Christian later in life, they will tell you that they wished they had become a Christian sooner. I guarantee it. I have never met a person who wished that they became a Christian later. It just doesn't happen. How much foolishness I would have avoided if I'd come to Christ earlier. How much more good might have been done if that had happened. There are many, many ways in which we come to a place of feeling that years have been lost, that years are passing, that life is moving on, that opportunities have been missed, and we can't get them back. And when you tune yourself into the fact that these things in different ways are the realities of life for different people all across our congregation, you realize how amazing this promise is that God should say, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. I want to gaze into the amazing mystery of that promise. Now, two questions, very simply. Here's the first. To whom is this promise given? Who is it for? It is given to particular people. Whoever they are, I want to be among them because this is a great promise. And the second question is, how can this promise possibly be fulfilled? Can't have time again. So, in what way can God restore years that the locusts have eaten? Now, the question to whom is this promise given is answered back in uh, verse uh, 19 and before. Uh, notice that verse 19 tells us that the Lord answered, and that everything that follows verse 19, including the great promise that we're looking at, is God's answer. And it's God's answer to particular prayer. And the particular prayer is back in verse 17. So, what did these people ask? for that gave or led to this marvelous answer. And there are two things that they, that they asked for. Notice first that the promise of restored years is given to people who feel their need for God's mercy. Verse 17, these people who are given this marvelous promise, they've been praying this, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach. Spare your people, O Lord. Have mercy, pity. Here are these people, and they're aware that they've been placed under the discipline of God, and they felt their need of mercy. Spare your people. 
Friends, you cannot pray that prayer as a Christian. Spare your people. Without your mind surely going to Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, where we are told that God did not spare His one and only Son. The mercy of God that came to them and comes to us, comes to us for this reason. We are spared because Christ was not spared. And here's our confidence in asking for the mercy of God. God promises all this good to those who know and feel their need of His mercy. And here's our confidence coming to Him for mercy. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Well, now, how will He not also, along with Him, with Christ, give us all things? You come in your need with a sense of your dependence upon God simply to survive what you're going through, and you can have confidence here. He did not spare His own Son. That's why He will spare you, and you can pray this with confidence. He gave Him up for us all. How will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? The promise of restored years is given to people who feel their need of mercy, and it is given to people who want, verse 17, God's name to be honored. You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Making Up Lost Years. It's part of our series, Restored, which is all about the book of Joel. And if you've missed any of the series or you want to go back and listen again, you can do that online. Come to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Also on our website, you'll find Open the Bible Daily. That's a series of short two- to three-minute reflections based on Pastor Colin Smith's teaching and read in the UK by Sue McLeish. Sue, what can we expect from this month's Open the Bible Daily? You know, I think we can expect tremendous help. I know as I've prepared this and actually as I've been recording it, it's helped me hugely. None of us escapes suffering of some sort. And there's been some days that I've recorded here that are really related to my experience and, and, and I know must relate to the experience of many, many others who, who are listening to this. You can find Open the Bible Daily on our website, openthebible.org.uk, or if you prefer to listen to it as a podcast, you can do that by following the link on the website or going directly to your podcast provider searching for Open the Bible UK and subscribe to Open the Bible Daily. You'll receive a new one every day. Open the Bible is supported entirely by our listeners. It's people just like you who keep us on the radio and our website. And if you've been considering supporting Open the Bible financially, this month we'd like to thank you for setting up a new donation to Open the Bible in the amount of £5 per month or more by sending you the Heaven Pack. That includes Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, Pastor Colin Smith's book, Heaven, How I Got Here, The Story of the Thief on the Cross, and five copies of the booklet, How Can I Be Sure of Heaven, to give away to people who may be curious about heaven. Colin, how will people be helped by reading Heaven, How I Got Here? 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I think that uh, my book on the thief on the cross is going to look very small beside Randy <laughs> Alcorn's 500-page book on heaven, which is an absolute classic. But, you know, books can be used in different ways. And so Randy Alcorn's is a book that you'll want to have in your home and you'll go back to many, many times. You'll look up the questions that he addresses. There's over 40 of them in relation to heaven, and that's really helpful. Heaven How I Got Here, you'll use in an entirely different way. It's a small book, very easy to read, and it tells the story of the thief on the cross in the first person. And the mission of the book, the reason for writing it, is that this story really explains grace better than any story that I know or could think of. Many people have the idea that uh, if you're going to get into heaven, You'll do that by living a good enough life. And obviously the thief on the cross didn't do that. And he did get into heaven and he got there by God's grace. So for anyone who needs to grasp what the grace of God is, this is a very simple story that explains that. And so this is a book that you can read and enjoy. And I hope a book that you'll think about passing on to a friend who needs to discover God's grace. Well, the Heaven Pack is our gift to you if you're able to set up a new donation to the work of Open the Bible this month in the amount of £5 per month or more. For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pick, and I hope you'll be able to join us again soon. God says, I will restore the years that the locust has eaten. We'll look into the mystery of that promise next time on Open the Bible.